we need to get together and let our voices be heard. This is Buffalo What's Next. I'm Jay Moran. I'm Bridget Jaipal Valenza. And I'm Thomas O'Neill White. After May 14th, how can we afford not to talk about race? About education, about segregation, about humanity. Since the dawn of this nation, racial violence has existed. The way we have designed our society has a big hand in what occurred in that Topps market. The suburban area everywhere, we must work and teach our children. We need to make sure that we put more funding in our programs that help prevent gun violence and more money into art. If we're going to have some real healing, we've got to have space to tell some uncomfortable truths. Good morning and welcome back to Buffalo What's Next. And summer, it's heating up, it's getting warmer, as warm as it can get in in Western New York and parts of Canada, but it gets especially hot and and fever pitched when Carnival comes to town, when the Toronto Carnival takes place, now coming up in its 56th year, the month-long festival that takes place right next door to us here in Buffalo, Uh, our neighbors to the north. Toronto, Ontario, kicks off this, this massive celebration of Caribbean culture and by extension, all the all the ethnicities that make up the people of the Caribbean, African, Indian, Chinese, European, you name it, Hispanics. Back home, we had Calle Ocho in, in Miami. That was our big festival. And that was a big event. And I'm told here that the Toronto Carnival is that and then some. I'm here with Mishka Crichton, the CEO of the Festival Management Committee, the, the, the head honcho of the Toronto Carnival this year. Uh, Mishka, thank you so much for joining Buffalo What's Next. Thanks for having me, Lorenzo. That was such a great uh, intro. I'm excited. I'm I, really I try excited to do my best, but it's that. it's easy when you're talking Carnival. Uh, it's colors, it's dance, soca music, it's steel drums, it's it's plumage, it's yeah, floats. It made me realize too that like Carnival is the energy of Toronto. You know, it's, it is one of the most diverse festivals in the world because it's in one of the most diverse cities in the world. But also this festival was created by, for example, you know, my generation's parents and grandparents that immigrated to Toronto from all of these different islands. And they said, you know, we're going to do something here. We're going to have a piece of us here. Um, we're going to gather together. So it's also the most diverse Caribbean carnival in the world. And all of this is in my hometown of Toronto, which in again, like we bring the energy, we bring the energy to the six. Well, uh, it, well, you bring the Caribbean energy that that's, that's, I think what you tap into, uh, Toronto has its own energy, but the Caribbean is, it's just, yep. it's just a slice of heaven. Mishka, I, I, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm from Miami. I'm learning the, the lay of the land, but my coworkers, the second that we bring up, uh, the Toronto carnival, their, their eyes light up. Some of them have been to it. Some of them have stumbled upon it. One of our reporters, uh, Thomas O'Neill White, kind of just ran into it one day with his dad. And he's like, what's going on down here? And I love and, it. and he just serendipitously bumped into the, the carnival. Uh, it's a thing. It's a huge thing. And like I said, 56 year of the festival going on in Toronto. It's it's a huge economic boon for, for the area. Brings something close to 2 million people, correct me if I'm wrong, for the Grand Parade alone. Yeah, 1.67 million people uh, engage with the festival on that day. Brings in a lot of, a lot of 
Canadian dollars and foreign yeah, dollars to half a billion dollars in economic impact. And it's, it's all goes to having a good time. It, it's celebrating Caribbean culture, Canadians of the Caribbean. And uh, I'm, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it greatly. But we have you here to talk about just the general things to look forward to. Uh, what, what do we have to uh, think about in terms of the festival? This year's theme, diversity and culture lives here. How's that being displayed through this year's festival? You know, when we were thinking about the theme this year, we really wanted the theme to embody what the carnival is today and now. You know, the carnival um, in the Caribbean came out of, you know, being freed from slavery and emancipation. Um, and this carnival that we have in Toronto is us continuing you know, that celebration, that understanding of freedom, but it's also evolved into this beautiful expression of a collection of people. This yeah. carnival is so diverse and we just truly feel, especially me being a Toronto native, like when people talk about culture and diversity, it literally lives in us. Uh, my parents did not have to get on a plane to teach me about my culture and where I came from. And I can't tell you how important that is um, for a kid to know your heritage, to understand um, your people and just, you know, what connects you to them and what connects your parents to where they came from. It's so important and such a big um, part of your development. So the carnival is that place. It was that place for me. It gave me so much, including becoming a CEO. Um, but also it was a platform that allowed my parents to teach me about myself and about other people too. And I want to get to your new title because this is, if I'm correct, your first year as CEO of, of the festival, of the committee. Uh, but before we move on, your cultural background is is Caribbean. It's uh, St. Vincent and the Grenadines, correct? That's right. My so, parents are from St. Vincent and the Grenadines. SVG. <laughs> <laughs> How are you going to bring that 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 specific flavor to the festival? So one of the things that we're so big on is making sure that we don't just say we, we're diverse, you know, we, we actually show it. Um, for example, we have this year our, our first, um, you know, Bayesian band. So a band that's from Barbados. We also have um, the Lux Carnival. We also have Freedom Mass Band. That's a band that is our first Jamaican band. Of the festival. We also make sure that we use DJs from all over the islands. We make sure we have one from Grenada. We make sure we have some from Trinidad. We just try to make sure that we are including everybody. There's a huge Indo-Caribbean um, population and culture piece to what the carnival is too. So you mentioned earlier, white, black, Chinese, um, Indian, the Caribbean is full of all of these backgrounds and that's something that we want to make sure everybody feels included and knows that they're welcomed and and that there's a piece of them represented in the carnival too. You got a rich you got a rich palette to paint with, and I'm assuming you're gonna have you gotta have some soca, you gotta have some dance hall oh DJs. So, soca and, gonna be happening all of the time. <laughs> <laughs> some steel drum. You mentioned some steel drum bands. Like I, I I need a I need a, a pina colada here next to me because I feel like I, that's the only well, thing more, to be more like a okay we would probably say you need a rum and coke for sure <laughs> I feel like that's, that's our thing I can do that I could do that as well 
Uh, <laughs> I'm speaking with Mishka Crichton. She's the CEO of the Toronto Carnival Festival Management Committee. The event is coming it real soon, sooner than later. I don't know if sooner I- Sooner than I would like it to come. I don't know if I'm scaring you too much as the CEO, <laughs> but uh, it's, it's, it's on the horizon. July 11th is the official kickoff event. We'll get into the, the I guess, the, the itemized schedule, but um, how is this calm before the storm? How how are you getting ready for this? You're you're the first time CEO of the committee. Uh, you come from, uh, we were speaking briefly before the, the interview, but you come from uh, a totally different background than, than you assumed you, you would need for the CEO position, but you have the cultural background. Explain a little bit about where you were and how you got here and, and your first festival. How is, uh, what are the feelings there? I, I love this question. Thanks for asking me. Uh, it's really surreal for one, uh, because, you know, I remember being 25 years old and trying to figure out what do you do with this career piece people tell you to do. Like, I'm very artistic and I'm creative, but there was this whole business side. But either way, um, there was a woman, Ursula Burns, and she became the CEO of Xerox and she was a black woman. And I was like, how did she do this? And in her career history, she started as a uh, executive assistant and worked her way up through the company. So I said, hmm, okay, this person is really close. So for the last, you know, 13 years, I have held the title of executive assistant to some really important people. And most recently at Deloitte Canada with their chief legal officer, mm. um, that role has evolved into doing project management and, and chief of staff work. But all along, I've always wondered, like, what is the thing uh, Mishka is going to master? You're supposed to, you know, 10,000 hours to master something, um, and then you're an expert on it. And at some point uh, during the pandemic, I was like, I, I'm a Caribbean woman, and how do I wear this more? I want to bring this into my life more. I'm so involved in this carnival and as a performer, I want to just do something for my community. And then there was a job posting for the carnival last year for a festival manager. And I just took a leap and I'm like, okay, I, I can do that. I think so. But in doing that, I learned that, hey, I've spent way more than 10,000 hours on this carnival. I've been in this parade since I was um, four years old and not, I don't want to give away my age really, but <laughs> I've, I've been in the parade 33 times. Okay. Wow. I'm do the math care. The one that's a lot. That's so a lot of experience. I've been in this parade 33 times. I was on this parade when it was in university Avenue and people from Toronto will know that reference. Now it's on the lake shore, but it's cool to sit in a room and Hey, I'm the only one that's been on the route on University Avenue, even though people worked here for, you know, uh, a long time. And part of the joy, too, is I get to work with people, too, who also were on University Avenue. You know, there's a really big intergenerational uh, leadership that goes into this organization. Um, there's so much history, 56 years, and um, it's cool to be the person that for the first time, there's a CEO that grew up inside of this. Who else better than, than yourself? Someone who's been around the festival for so long, who's from Man, the I area, from so much. culturally, you're also identify as a Caribbeaner. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
and that's that's an awesome awesome journey and i'm i'm i am thrilled and i'm excited i'm i'm nervous because i i'm mm-hmm. genuinely nervous about things and anxious but second year post pandemic so right. last year's event a little 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 bit subdued we still have travel bans or tra- travel restrictions in place and and it wasn't it wasn't the full full well think about that last year the the for example we had a ipsis read research uh, um study done last year 2022 and that number 1.67 million people that was from last year and like you said that was with restrictions still on travel also with people's you know general feeling about you know being anxious or nervous about being in an environment like that um so i'm expecting this year um, to be quite grand, <laughs> to say I mean, the least. It's the grand parade for a reason, and yeah. that's that's eye opening because I I thought those numbers were prior to to last year uh, at its peak. Uh, that's twenty twenty two. But people are, have been clamoring for this, and and I I I gotta assume that they're gonna come out in, in droves. My main concern, I'm sure it's yours too, is there was a stoppage of the pandemic. You had a year of of lessened revenue a few years of less than revenue and 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 mm-hmm. income for the event uh, it's a non-profit organization but still you need money to sustain the event and keep it going we're seeing a similar issue here in in western new york our festivals are either going on hiatus or they're just ceasing to be as a result of that tell me about the the, the huge struggle now with funding for the event and mm-hmm. and the expected outcome for for this event yeah i mean Year over year, funding has gone down for for festivals and for um, events across the board. And we're seeing a 300% increase in security costs. And and I got to say, security is really the conversation that's um, at the table right now. Uh, We most recently, right now, we're in the middle of our Pride Celebration Month in Toronto. And most recently... Um, their managing director had was on the news basically saying that they're at risk of having to downsize or um, cancel events just to be able to manage the rising security costs. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the Toronto Carnival is not existing in a different landscape. We are literally in the same city. It's the same geographic area. I can tell you that um, we're looking at the same um, costs and it is worrisome because this festival has been kept afloat um, by this community already for the past how many years? Um, our stakeholders, you know, some of our steel pen bands are practicing under bridges. They don't have a place to store their instruments. Um, our mass bands, one band leader just told me their rent for six months months is almost $75,000. It's the same thing that people are going through, mm-hmm. you know, for me to rent somewhere right now, my goodness, you know, I don't know if anybody anywhere makes enough money uh, to be able to keep up with the rise in the cost of living right now. So that is also impacting these festivals. And, um, you know, we are seeing that tourism is being revived again. So we're expecting that people are going to want to engage with us. And we right. just want to make sure um, that when we are we are tasked with putting on this world-class festival and that's exactly what we're going to do. But it shouldn't be on the backs of all of our volunteers 
it shouldn't be on the backs of, you know, my board of directors who work day and night. Also, you know, the CEO and operations executive staff who, you know, we're wearing a million hats and yeah. we're doing a million things to make sure that we put on this festival that is so important to our community and to our families and to kind of and our legacy. I can't express enough what's at risk, which is the legacy of this carnival, but what it is for our children. If I didn't have this carnival growing up, I wouldn't be this confident woman who knows who she is, who's tapped into who she is and is able to become this person and, and, and hold her own in this world if this carnival didn't exist for me here. Um, but it did. I go into schools now and we have this huge program happening with the Toronto District, District School Board and we're so proud of it. It's just happened a, a pilot version in the last couple of months. Um, but I hope to see it grow and happen all year round last year where we go into schools and we explain what is carnival? It comes from emancipation. It is linked to slavery. Um, it is about accepting each other and celebrating each other. But more importantly, there's a huge population of Caribbean people who this is what we do. I go into schools and I see now that we um, celebrate and I love it. Um, I see Chinese New Year. I see Diwali. I see Ramadan. And I love seeing that. But there is a whole group of kids that are not accounted for. And I was one of those kids too. So I, I want people to get how important this thing is. It is not just a festival that happens. It is our legacy and it's about the world that we're creating and the next generation of Mishkas and Lorenzos um, who will get to engage in this culture and other people's cultures as well as their own. It's, it's really that important. Well, uh, I wish you much luck on that because I, I feel like it's it's a noteworthy cause and it's a necessary cause to keep culture alive in this part mm -hmm. of the world and any part of the world. Uh, there is some, I think, so, some silver lining here is that Ottawa announced recently $1.5 million of, of, of funding for Pride events in Canada. Um, part of that, a portion of that is $750,000 going to Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver. Is there some hope, some expectation that some of that or, or some additional money can come for the festival? I, I can't even say, um, is there hope? Like, without a doubt, my hopes are extremely high. <laughs> I, I am encouraged um, by the government's response to Pride's concerns that they were having. Um, these events, it's important for people to be seen. And, and these events need to happen, um, for one, for that reason. Um, but if we can't provide not only what is expected by the people who engage in it, but also the safety um, that is required for all of these people. I mean, the Toronto Carnival pulls in, we're one of the, the number one tourist driver to the city of Toronto. Um, so it's not even just about, you know, the festival and this, it's, it's also about um, the amount of people that come to the city at that time and what we want them to experience. So I'm really encouraged by the support that Pride has received. Um, we've sent a few letters, um, you know, to the prime minister's office, to um, a few ministers who we think um, will be able to support us and lend their voice to our community. And I, I'm really 
we've had a few conversations this week. Um, don't have any news yet, but I, I hope that so I'm going to get a really good phone call soon. I hope so. And I, I, I truly do because, um, identity is important and the cultural identity is, is interwoven into person's identity. If they, if they're not, we don't have events like this. It's, it's hard to, to not get people on board for a festival, for a fun time. We've had such, such ups and downs in the last few years. Like we need, we need this. Um, and I hope that happens. Mishka, we are Buffalo. What's next? Very much a, a, hyper local Buffalo show, but we are Buffalo Toronto public media. We do, we do service the, the Ontario area. What can anyone do that's listened to this do to help this cause to, to help, help the, the carnival put on the show that it wants to. And then, and then some. Absolutely. If you would like to uh, contact or write a letter to your local MP or your provincial uh, minister cabinet, we always welcome any public support to help us, you know, towards lobbying the government for the, um, you know, the funding that this organization deserves. Um, outside of that, the carnival puts on so many events that are just open to the public um, and they're free. For example, on July 1st, we have our official launch at Nathan Phillips Square, um, and that's an event that is, is free for the public. We also have our Junior Carnival Parade. That's July 22nd in the Scarborough community. That's also a free event. And our Grand Parade, while there is a, a paid portion, a seating portion, and we, we have VIP, it's still really a, a free come event. Come on, come all. That 1.7 million people aren't sitting um, around the stage um, or sitting. Yeah. You're expecting folks to to sit down during. during- yeah, <laughs> I know. I'm kind of silly, right? No one should be sitting. But, you know, the King and Queen show is my mm-hmm. favorite. event. It's on August 3rd at Lamport Stadium in the evening. It is the most beautiful display of our culture to see these costumes, um, these big, huge costumes in the performers. And I used to compete in that. Um, my sister has won the queen of the bands competition nine times. So like, that's the most. Have you, have you ever gotten it? So I've never competed as queen. There's another category called uh, the female individual. So I've competed in that four times. I hope your sister doesn't hold that against you. In one second. (laughs) Say that again. I'm saying, I hope your sister doesn't hold the title of queen. Uh, She's a Lord over you with it. Of course she does. No, (laughs) You know what? It's my younger sister too, so that makes it like uh, all the fun. Little but, sister, uh. yeah. You know what? Caribbean families, and I'm sure, just like also Hispanic culture too. Um, we have. It's only me and my sister, but my cousins and my aunts. You know, we're all so close. Um, I would do anything for my sister, and every single one of those wins um, had me and my mom behind it, backing her <laughs> and putting in the work too to get us there. So I don't know. I'm just so proud of it, but you know, so that's August 3rd. Yeah. On August 3rd, um, that event is so beautiful and I welcome everyone to please come out and also at the grand parade. Uh, I got a few more minutes here with Misha Crichton, CEO of the Toronto carnival festival, no longer Carabana. And I wanted to bring that up because everyone down here. So refers to it as Carabana, yeah, you but know what? I'm glad you did because I would love to ask, for your help and everybody's help that is listening 
And, and, you know, word of mouth is the best way for anything spread. Um, so I'm asking for the public's help to uh, get the word out that the festival is not called Caravan anymore. It is called Toronto Caribbean Carnival or Toronto Carnival. And um, the reason for that is, I believe it's about 15 years ago, the rights to use that name, the licensing rights were sold mm. outside of our community. So the people who own the name Carabana and use it to monetize selling, they sell hotel packages, they sell tickets to events oh, wow. that happen during that time. Uh, none of that goes back to the community that puts on the festival. None of it goes back to the organizations that put on the festival. It doesn't go back to any of our stakeholders, wow. our Ontario Steel Pan Association, the Ontario Calypso Performing Artists, um, the CAC, you know, our mass bands. We, none of us benefit from um, the word caravana. And, and given um, the state of things and rising costs, it's so important for us to um, support the festival in the best way we know mm -hmm. how. Which well, is and, and that the funds directly go to the festival and the people putting it together. That's the important thing. Yeah, absolutely. Thing, yeah. And, and I got to tell you, we, we take phone calls at our office all the time from people who've bought tickets at, uh, I think it's called torontocarabana.com, I'm not sure, uh, who's bought hotel packages and, you know, they can't get a refund. And, and then they're calling us mm. um, because they think that, it, that it's the festival that is, has uh, put them in this scenario. So Toronto Carnival is the name. Help me make it a household name. I want to be like Disney. Hey, that's, that's okay. a good, that's a good, uh, I want the experience to, to be like Disney. You know, we, we really this year have focused on, um, you know, what if every person's experience in the carnival is, is better by just 10%. What if the CEO has a good experience? What if all of our suppliers have a good experience? You know, what if um, all of our volunteers have a great experience? You know, if everyone's experience is improved just by 10%, our attendees, I, I think the the feeling all around is is going to be phenomenal. And that's that's one of the things that I'm out to do. Well, the 10%, I think, is, is going to be easy because, like we mentioned, last year's event was a little subdued. This year, it's it's full force, full steam ahead. Uh, so 10% there. But thankfully, unfortunately, they have very passionate members uh, working to make it happen, like yourself, uh, like the, the 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 many that you've you've mentioned before. Uh, I'm excited just talking about it. What else? You mentioned the, the events, but a question for you. Uh, I think you already answered it. Uh, I was going to say, what's your favorite aspect or part of Caribbean? Oh, Carnival? yeah, for sure. It, it's okay. King and Queen? or kind of did. So King and Queen show is for sure, you know, if I had to only pick one, you know, that's my one. You, it's you like get a big, big, the big performances, huge costumes. You get to see like up close and personal, the artistry of the costumes, but also of the performance of mm -hmm. it. But I cannot say I don't love the Grand Parade. Like that's my. I was gonna say my. I was gonna give a caveat. That, that's that my thing. The one, like, the one you can't pick is the Grand Parade because that's like that's that's the the, the crowning jewel. It's a no brainer. You yeah. Have, like, I can't. The feeling of being in that parade, being around there, the energy, the the happiness, the joy, the music, the moving, 
the freedom, even, you know, we talk about all the time, like this carnival is, um, it came out of uh, our emancipation, but this, where our community is still experiencing um, the challenges of oppression still. This parade is also representative of a time when Black people couldn't be free to roam in the streets. And we take up this space and, and we dance and we have joy with each other. And again, what's so special about the Toronto Carnival is the diversity of the people who are there. There are people from all over the world that come to this festival. And again, the Toronto community, not even just the Caribbean community, but the Toronto community at large um, comes out to celebrate with us. And it's the most beautiful thing to see. Well, I'm hoping to take my family up there across the border and, and partake in, in some or, or all, uh, it, definitely the Grand Parade. I mean, that, that's the one. I don't, know how, I don't know how many get around all that, the throngs of people uh, yeah. that are expected to be out there on Lakeshore Boulevard, but uh, uh, I'm going to try. Mishka Crichton, thank you so much for bringing your, 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 your passion for the Caribbean Carnival. Thank you for bringing your story to us here on Buffalo What's Next and 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 best of luck on the event. I can't wait to see how, so how it turns out. You are so appreciated. Thank you for your time. And I'm Lorenzo Rodriguez. You're listening to Buffalo What's Next. We'll be back with more after this. WNED Classical has been conducting interviews of their own on YouTube with the classical music community. This is Buffalo What's Next where we have conversations with the community about moving forward. To have your voice heard, press the Talk to Us button on the WBFO app, and we'll work to get your questions and comments on the air. Join us on Twitter at WBFO or email us at news at WBFO.org. Together, we'll have the conversations that are needed. This is WBFO, your NPR station. Today, I have the the distinct pleasure of being joined by a community uh, activist, a community uh, proponent, a, a, a major source of, of good in uh, the Western New York community. I'm joined by Miss Marilyn Young. Hey. <laughs> She's the founder and director of the 716 Rollers and WAVE, which stands for Women Against Violence Everywhere. Good morning, Marilyn. How are Good you? Good morning. I'm fine. Thank you. Thank you for making the time and being with us here on Buffalo What's Next. No problem. Uh, Marilyn, you are born and raised Buffalonian. Mm -hmm. uh, you've been here your whole life. But in 2007, the volunteering bug kind of bit you. Is that correct? Yeah, it did. <laughs> you started doing, you worked alongside Stop the Violence Coalition uh, as a Buffalo peacemaker. You were part of their fundraising committee and vice chairwoman. Primarily, you became involved with WAVE, mm -hmm. uh, Women Against Violence Everywhere. That's been, That was established, what, in 2012, correct? 2012, yes. Mm -hmm. Can you explain what WAVE is and, and what its mission is? Okay, so WAVE actually got started because I was a part of Stop the Violence Coalition, and we saw that our young girls were becoming um, just as violent as the uh, their male counterparts, which is something Stop the Violence generally focus on, which is the male. So we ended up forming um, Women Against Violence Everywhere to focus on the needs of our at-risk girls. So we are a coalition of women-led organizations um, whose primary goal is to decrease youth violence here in the city of Buffalo and Western New York. And we do that by way of mentoring programs, events, and activities. And that, since 2012, that's been the case. We have 
initiatives such as Pretty as a Daisy Mentoring mm-hmm. and Enrichment Program. That's true. <laughs> Dear and True to Your Heart, why is yes. that? Yes. Oh, my gosh. So Pretty as a Daisy Mentoring Program is actually named after my late adopted mother, uh, Miss Daisy Edgerington, who kept nearly, I want to say hundreds of kids in our home. Um, as as a young person, I saw kids come and go. And so when she ended up passing away, I'm like, I got to do something uh, commemorating her memory for all she's done for young people, plus her Character kind of wore off on me as well for the love of young people. And so, so that's how Pretty as a Daisy came into motion, um, naming her honor. And it promotes uh, healthy self-esteem, self-worth, positive decision making, and it helps young people to deal with conflict resolution and teaches girls how to get along with other girls. Now, we brought up uh, the Buffalo Peacemaker uh, initiative and and the stuff that Stop the Violence is doing in, in town. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of directed towards the male population. Yes. But your your passion, your your goal is to help the, the women of, of Buffalo and, and east side of Buffalo. Do you find that there's that big of a need? Are we not are we missing something? Are we not addressing something with that segment of the population? Wow. I think we were not addressing a segment with our young girls. Because one, there wasn't a time, well, at least there was a time we didn't think that our girls was engaging in violent acts such as gun violence. Um Drug activity, things like that. I think we just had these girls over here and <laughs> thinking like, okay, they're not doing that. It's just the boys. But we found that they have becoming more involved. Um, they've been going to jail at a more alarming rate. Mm. And there were things that we were concerned of, which is why we said, hey, we got we to gotta do something for our girls. And so all of our programs, at least most of them, they all focus on girls 9 to 18 years old. So 8, eight through 19, That's those are formative years. Those are yes. those for any, any both. Boy, girls, that's that's it's a tough time of, of your life, mm-hmm. and especially the teenage years. Yes. Um, what are you seeing that are the factors that are that are driving them to express themselves violently and, and go down that route? I mean, it's just so much, and I, I don't want to blame everything on on, on um, let's say songs, games, things like that. I don't want to blame culture. that. Every, all that stuff, because I I do hold the parents to a high regard. I believe that. The lack of parenting in some cases or younger parents, whereby a lot of us had that generation of older parents to where we had that community involvement where everyone looked out for everyone. We've lost that. Mm. So because of that, I think there's so many different dynamics why the violence has increased. But definitely parent. We need some more parenting um, uh, classes, skills. uh, We need this is so much. Mentors, (laughs) people they can turn to. Mentors. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Mentors. Um, One of the things that I have so many um, programs, I guess, underway that we created was because I was a recipient of great mentors. I had wonderful women in my church who kind of like took me up under my wings um, and helped me. They showed me how to dress. They showed me how to be a lady. They showed me how to govern myself. So that's where I, I first learned firsthand, I think, mentoring from the church. I was a young girl going to church, 10 years old, all the way up to 17. And we had these, you know, women in the church who actually, like I said, took you up on your wings and they kind of helped you. So I think I grasped that concept. And that, too, you can find under Women Against Violence Everywhere. We believe uh, mentoring is very important. I'm, I'm with you. I feel like pop culture doesn't help. Uh, yeah. Social media doesn't help. That, too. <laughs> You've got, I'm a sports fan, so you see instances like John Morant, who's a basketball player, and he's mm-hmm. out there waving a gun around. And it's <sighs> like you're competing. If you're a parent, you're competing against that that whole part of the, of society right. and it's tough but it's thankfully tough. for yourself you had people around you had people like your 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 mother uh, Daisy mm-hmm. Edrington yes um the, the wave initiative is near and dear to you because 
your background. Can you can you give us a little bit about your story? Okay, so first of all, and I've said my story so many times, people know it. And I, I try to break away from that because I'm I'm changed. I'm better. I'm mm-hmm. this. So I try not to dwell on it too much. But of course, I was an at risk young person. I was a young person who was abandoned at birth who grew up in the foster care system and was ultimately adopted by Miss Daisy Edrington and her husband back when I was in fifth grade. So I was one of those kids. And even being adopted um, and being in her home, they were much older. They were there. And I'm not saying that to not because I was grateful to have a home, but with them being much older, they were kind of very much detached from what was going on, what was going on around me. So it did take the village. It took the community, took all these people to help raise me. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So again, back to to mentoring. But yeah, I grew up, yeah, east side of Buffalo, Cold Spring, uh, right not far from where the shooting happened, actually on Landon Street in Aurora, um, right up the street from the Tops Market. So I grew up in that area, uh, poverty, we were kind of middle class, and our parents, you know, they did the best um, with what they had. But we 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 grew up seeing violence somewhat. Um, we grew up seeing um, just a lot of things happening in the one four two zero eight and the one four two zero nine area code. And I'm just grateful because of ventures that I was able to get out from under some of those things. I appreciate you sharing that because I I feel like you know what some of these these yes. young girls are going through, what they're dealing with. Uh, it's a different different time and era, but the, the, the need is still the same. Still the same. And uh, you're doing fantastic work with Wave, and I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad that there are people like you uh, advocating for our, our young girls out, out there. With your upbringing, you found one particular hobby, and that hobby became a passion, and now it is a, it is a very big component of who you are, mm-hmm. roller skating and the 716 Rollers. Tell me about about that. Wow. <laughs> so along with Wave and all the many programs we have, we have um, Hot Dogs and Huggies, Pretty as a Daisy. We have a Locked Up Prison Prevention Program. We have, oh, my gosh, a Youth Entrepreneurship Showcase Program. But then we thought about, oh, my gosh, let's think about some things that kept us off the streets, kept us, you know, doing great things and away from doing violent acts and such. So we said, oh, my gosh, roller skating. <laughs> I've been skating probably since I was eight years old when my parents bought me these Pair of roller skates. I remember they were like the steel wheels. They were on the sidewalk. Looked like I could start a fire with them. Yes, sir. (laughs) They were so loud. I'd be like. Did they have a key? They had a key. They had a lock and key. They had a lock and key. I think I had adjustable ones. And from there, I believe it grew from the steel skates to the sneaker skates to the shoe skates to the. Oh, my gosh. All these elaborate skates that we have now. So did you ever go inline? I did do inline. It's a different balance. It is. (laughs) <laughs> I didn't I didn't take to it like I took the quad roller skating. And and shouts out to places like New Skateland and Trunus Goggins and who kept us at the roller skating rink at New Skateland. I, I had mean, to look up I had to look up because I'm I'm relatively new to the area, <laughs> but I love me some roller skating. Yeah. You said back home in South Florida it was Hot Wheels and Thunder Wheels. <laughs> but here you got Carousel, New Skateland, yes. Thoroughway Mall, Eastern Hills Thoroughway Mall, Depew, yes. Arcadia. The one that's still around and I want to go ahead up is Rainbow Rink. Yes, Rainbow Rink's still around. And now Outdoor. And all of them are gone, though. All of the rinks are gone except for Rainbow Rink is still here, mm-hmm. but New Skateland is closed, and it closed during the pandemic. Oh. So we, we go there, but we now have the Outdoor Roller Rink at Canal Side, yes. which I'm so excited about because we do that from August to October. And we have a huge holiday Halloween skate. We have mentoring there. We have learn to skate classes every Saturday from 12 to 2, which are free. And you can register at Canal Site website once it gets up soon. Um, just a great, great time um, with the outdoor skating rink. And we also have the American Skate Festival that we're going to be hosting oh. this year from August the 19th to the 20th, which brings 
roller skaters from around the country, but predominantly we're, we're focusing on Canada. And the theme is healing hearts through roller skating across borders. Mm. And we that actually got created after the 514 event. We once again want to utilize roller skating because there are so many benefits to roller skating, mentally, yep. all that stuff. So again, back to our young people, we decided to create a program called Mentoring on Wheels. We took the love of roller skating. We combined that with our workshops that we normally have through our mentoring programs. And we do like an eight-week program throughout the summer. Um, so it's eight weeks of classes for roller skating. The kids, it culminates with them getting a free pair of roller skates. Then they nice. have actually a final session with a celebrity roller skate, which is called Push. And he'll be here in Buffalo uh, August the 19th. Is there an age limit? Can I? Can There's I no up? age limit. No. I, I can sign up for this. Yes, you can. Because I'm, can I'm, skate. I like to skate. I'm, I think I'm pretty good at it. I, I can, I can groove and dance, but the yes. stopping, I can't stop for. Let's teach him. <laughs> I'm like the kid from the Mighty Ducks. I can't. I can speed. <laughs> I can speed skate, but then I can't stop. Oh, but you need to learn how to stop. That, I know. That's important. I know. And I want to do flashy moves. I saw. Ooh. So I, I went down a rabbit hole of uh, seven one six rollers. I saw guys like Easy Ed. Uh, I, when we when where we met was uh, at MLK Park. Oh, or skate don't hate. Skate don't hate. Got to meet you out there. I took my two year old. Got her on skates hey, for the first time. I got me. back on skates after what <laughs> a dozen years, uh -huh. something like that. And uh, I, I need some practice. I need to get back to it. But I love what you're doing with Seven One Six Rollers because uh, it's it's almost like. The way to, to, to kids these days, not tricking, but a deception has <laughs> no, to occur. Right. To, it's the, come into the, the tent. Come into the circus <laughs> tent. We're going to roller skate. But yep. once you have their attention there, then you can yes, you break down it. and have the conversations that you need to have. Mm -hmm. Mentor them. Exactly. Uh, it's, it's I um, mentoring, mentoring for wheels. Mentoring on wheels, actually. Or mentoring on wheels. My yep. apologies. So it's okay. So it's the roller skate. And it's so funny because... I mean, you know, most people know I'm an accountant. I work for the state. I'm an auditor. Yeah, but your day job is the furthest <laughs> thing removed from like fun and totally. six roller skating. Totally. But I took like 2019, oh, 2019 after working with the young people and seeing that they needed so much more. Like they needed to get some sort of mental health evaluation. Some of them they mm -hmm. needed to have healing circles and other things. And so I went back to school and I actually got a master's in clinical marriage and family therapy incorporate that with our mentoring on real so we can Wonderful. provide great and effective mentoring healing circles um, assessments of our young people because they're necessary mentoring is great but together with the mental health component it was it's awesome and I'm <laughs> glad that we're we're all as a, as a collective society focusing on mental health because mm -hmm. for many years like we had I had a conversation with our colleague here who does uh, mindful music yes. Carl Shallowhorn yes and it's just it's it's not Goodness. just it's not a problem specific to youth it's or adults or elderly. Everyone is just going through a lot. Yes. But I think breaking it down and, and, and in your case, tackling it with the youngsters of our area, mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's huge because mm -hmm. those are the people that are going to eventually go into leadership roles, become yes. the, we say it all the time. The future, the future <laughs> is, they are the future. I'm so. hoping because my uh, legs hurt. I need them to take over. <laughs> I need to take over. I'm speaking with Marilyn Young. She's the, uh, <laughs> the founder and director of WAVE, Women Against Violence Everywhere, and uh, a, a prime member of the 716 Rollers. And you got you got guys like Easy Ed. You got DJ. DJ All-Star. <laughs> he was... He was you like he was, that. I, no, I mean, I'm, I'm from Miami. I love a good DJ. Yeah, he's good. good uh, you had some like Quad City DJs going mm -hmm. when I showed up there, and, and that's, that's the way to my heart. But it's so um, funny because people think that with DJing, 
any DJ can come be a skate DJ, which that's not true. Yeah, what's what's the, the difference or what's the difference? There's a difference. It's it's the it's the mode, it's the how they can blend in the music. You don't wanna herb stop like a DJ right. talked and you don't wanna talk too much. You wanna play, sometimes you wanna do a lot of looping. So all mm-hmm. DJs are not the same, <laughs> especially when it comes to roller skate. Just wanna say that right quick. So shouts out to All Star and all the other young men who actually do roller skating and take heed, keep us rolling. That's important too. You mentioned that you got gifted a, a pair of roller skates, but then how did you find, how did you get into the roller skating scene? Because it is oh a scene. Gosh. It still is a scene. I, I feel like it was much more vibrant and thriving in the, in like the eighties, maybe seventies, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it's still there. But you know what happened? COVID brought mm-hmm. it out even more. It's, it's always been here, but with COVID and all the videos and TikTok, people start skating indoors cause they couldn't go nowhere else. <laughs> and it just became a phenomenon. Like everyone knows about skating now, but it's, it's been here and it's ever been here. So me from skating all the way up to eight to now 55 years old, I haven't stopped. Um, I went from different phases of roller skating, different rinks to where now we actually travel. So there's traveling roller skating groups. There's, oh my gosh, there's skate life TV that Shines the light on roller skating all across the country with over millions of viewers. So skating has just evolved into something that's just been phenomenal. Now roller skates can get paid now. So there's gigs where people are getting paid now for roller skating or even through, of course, through TikTok and all that stuff, but YouTubers. But you can get paid for roller skating. So they're actually acknowledging it as something awesome, I guess. Means of income. (laughs) There you go. Who would have thunk it? There you go. Um, I've been staying with it. It helps me though mentally. Oh, absolutely! For sure. Just so I mean, good, you. good tunes, good, mm-hmm. good groove skating, just Trauma. good vibes. That's, exactly. that's what we need in in, in our day in life more mm-hmm. and more. What what advice would you ha- give somebody who's trying to pick up skating, primarily the, the quad roller skates? Because I think I think inline is is the predominant one. I see the younger kids sometimes going for inline, but mm-hmm. I'm an old soul like that. I love I love my quads. What okay. what advice would you have for somebody who is trying to pick up skating? One, go to skate lessons. <laughs> we have skate lessons. You can also go to Rainbow Rink. They have skate lessons on Saturday. And you can learn how to stop. There's roller derby leagues who teach roller skating Ooh, as maybe well. That's, maybe that's the future for me. Just and they have a good that. foundation. They have a good foundation. So um, they can come check out 716 Rollers. Uh, inbox us, email us on Facebook. We can help you. But balance isn't so balancing is so important. All skates, just like all DJs, are not created equally. Mm. You have to know the anatomy of a skate. And that's one thing we teach at 716 Rollers Learn Skate Class at Canal Side. You'll <laughs> go through the anatomy of a skate, wheels, uh, bearings, uh, proper things that you should have. Because half the time, when people think they can't skate, it's not you. It's the equipment you're working with. <laughs> that's what I always say. It's not me. It's the equipment. It's I can't work equipment. under these conditions. <laughs> so we teach you, I guess, one of the fundamentals of, of skating and roller skating and proper gear and, you know, safety gear and all that stuff like that. But definitely the skates because those some of those skates are more detriment to you than they are good. They really are. They stop. The bearings are really slow. So the wheel's not rolling properly and it just... So get the right we'll equipment first. Skates. Always <laughs> skates. We met at the Don't Hate or Skate, skate Don't Hate, Hate uh-huh. event. You also had a number of other 716 uh, mentoring on wheels uh, programs. You had Look Cute and Skate mm-hmm. and Be Bold and Roll. And that's for kids ages 9 to 16, correct? Actually, we take them up to, nine, to 19. 19, sorry. We'll take them all the way up to all 18. Way to eight, so, yep. 18, okay. And that's mm-hmm. coming up. That's happening in the summer. This summer, yep. Sponsored by Ralph Wilson Foundation. And we have that. Usually it's like July the 9th, somewhere around there, the second week in July. And it runs all the way to the end of August. Mm -hmm. And then it culminates with the kids being translated to go over to the outdoor ring and canal side. So, yes, that's coming up. So, be look cute and skate. The cute meaning uh, capable. It's an acronym. Cute. Mm. 
capable, unique, trustworthy, and enough. So the kids' workshops center around those names. And be bold in role, which is for our guys, bold, being uh, brave, <laughs> um, optimistic, <laughs> a leader, and determination. So we give them workshops that centers around those words, along with a 45-minute session of healing, uh, circles, mental health therapy, and assessments, and things like that. Just great time with the kids. Well, well done with the acronyms. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, as a person who deals in a lot of acronyms myself, I it's love always acronyms. <laughs> I have to have notes. Notes are important. <laughs> Marilyn Young with us today on Buffalo What's Next. And you're not only decorated as a civilian, but also as a, as a, as a service person. You've, you've served in the Persian Gulf War. You're a veteran of that conflict, the, the U.S. Army Good Conduct Medal uh, recipient, Bronze Star recipient, Humanitarian Award, Southwest Asia Service Award. Uh, how do you feel that... Your experiences in the armed services, your experience in life has made you the proper advocate for for the groups that you help. Wow. I, I always say I went from serving on the front lines of our country to basically serving on the front lines here in my community. Um, and again, at 17 years old, about to graduate, you know, I became a teen mom. Teen mom, and that prompted me to actually go into the military. I wanted to not be another part of the statistics of another young lady who wow, so had a kid. Mother, you were a mother at that point. I That's was a mother at that point, and I had wild. my parents held my kid here while I went to the military. Came home, picked my kid back up, took him back where I was at, um, all that. And so when I when I did all that, it's like okay. There's this other girl struggling. There's other people who got labeled just because maybe they made a wrong turn, made a wrong mistake. Heck, they had the wrong things to start out with, first of all. Mm -hmm. They didn't even have a, a good beginning to start, so they made choices along the line. And if I can do this, go into the military, got great skills like being a leader, being focused, uh, planning, uh, promptness, I would say. <laughs> but got great skills from the military as far as also um, learning uh, maps and just how to navigate stuff. We, we were great. And one, don't leave your buddy behind. That togetherness, I've learned that um, from being in the military. Not that I didn't have it before, but I definitely got a good glimpse of it, being a good friend and all that while being in the military. So I wanted to share that while coming out. And so when I was a part of Peacemakers, again, defending, um, defending helping my yeah. community. So the same things I kind of did in the military, I kind of just rolled over into my community because I saw there was a need, okay? There was a need to, to help reduce violence. There was a need to help um, my community be better and to stand there with others in the fight to decrease youth violence. So I said, okay, who better than me? I was one of the persons who was at risk. I was a kid who benefited from great mentors. I have to give back. I'm compelled to give back. Someone helped me. It's my turn to go back and help someone else. Uh Given everything you've you've been through, I didn't know that about you that you were yeah. just a new newly minted mother and then yeah. off to off to war. Uh, you, other people could have easily said, "All right, I've got enough on my plate," but you've yeah. done a great job of of helping everyone else around you, and to that I, I you. commend you. Uh, besides the military uh, duty, everything else, I have a big spot in my heart for folks that are helping our youth because as I'm a father, I've, mm -hmm. I've had a really enriched childhood and. Mm. It's 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 the least that we can do for our, our kids, right? Mm -hmm, it's the least. Uh, Marilyn Young, 716 Rollers, Wave. Where can anyone get in contact with you all? Oh what gosh. events? I mentioned a few already, but how can they, they get, how can they partner or donate their time to each initiative? Okay, so one of the things we do is called Skates for Kids. So I, I think I explained that the kids that come through the summer program be look cute and skate or be bold and roll. We 
at the end, they get a new pair of skates. That's our goal. We get skates for them. We give them to them so that they continue this lifelong learning of roller skating. Some people get graduation caps. There you go. They get get their first quads. There you go. They get their first skates. So we always will take donations. Um, You can email us if you want to volunteer your time, either at Canal Side, volunteer at the programs on field trips. You can email WaveBuffalo1, that's W-A-V-E, Buffalo1 at gmail.com or MarylandSTVC at gmail.com. If you know, STVC means Stop the Violence Coalition. So Marilyn, my first name, STVC at gmail.com. Either one of those emails that get in touch to volunteer, take part, skate, don't hate. We do those three times in area parks, and we go to the parks that have the most that are most crime-ridden. We go there. We have a day of skate, don't hate. We roller skate. We have messages of peace and love and unity and um, you can volunteer with one of those. You can donate. You can be a sponsor. So there's room for you. You can also call 716-848-0515. Again, that's 716-848-0515. And just say, hey, I'd love to help your mission. I'd love to help Wave or 716 Rolls. i like to buy some skates. <laughs> we take it all. We need it. I've been pouring into this, even my own money, because I, be- I believe in it so much. I bought so many skates. If you look at my Amazon bill. I'm telling you. That's how much <laughs> how I believe many, in it. How many pairs of skates do you own? Oh, my gosh. I have at least 10 pairs of skates. I think I Whoa. gave away two recently, so I might be down Whoa. to eight. <laughs> but like I said, all skates aren't created equally. Yeah. I have high heel skates. I have glitter skates. High I heel got, skates? Yeah. I have high heel. How do I have, those work? <laughs> or like the, I got to show you a picture. They're, they're beautiful. <laughs> actually, one of the skate companies made it their own. It's actually a boot, but I have a sandal high heel skate that we skate into that was custom made for me. Um. I love those. I have one brand that I wear, although I got 10. I have one that I love the most. Like I said, you kind of got to feel your way yeah. around and see what works for you. Escape for all seasons. Yeah. And lastly, <laughs> another fun question here. Uh, so many great roller skate movies. Uh-huh. I mean, I've, I, I had to look up a few more, but I remember Roll Bounce. Yes. With little Bow Wow. Or I'm sorry, Bow Wow at the time. <laughs> Grew into Bow Wow. Uh, Whip It. Bow Wow. Ooh, whip it. Uh, whip it, but it's roller derby. Okay. It's a little bit more roller Oh, derby. I remember that one. Roller okay. ball, both the original and the mm-hmm. remake, Xanadu, uh, with the late, the late great Olivia Newton-John. Oh, I was going to say that, Olivia Newton-John, yep. Which is your favorite oh, pop baby. culture roller skate movie, TV show? What, what, what would you go to? My go-to is, of course, ATL. ATL. ATL and going to Cascade and that rink. Like, I go there often. Like I'm You weekends. go down to? Oh, my gosh, I go to Cascade. Hotlanta? Atlanta, <laughs> and they have, uh, listen, you can skate. When I retire, that's where I'm going. I already told my husband. I'm moving to Atlanta because you can skate every day of the week down there. They love skating. Other people there. go to Florida to retire, but no, I'm you're going, going to you're going to ATL. <laughs> ATL, baby. But, you know, they also just did, I don't know if you saw the Disney. They created a Saturday mix with these young people, and they're skating. I forgot what it's called. Some Saturday with some girl. So they're showing roller skating. They're shedding the light on roller skating and its benefits. And they're actually pushing it out there to the young people. Get active. Go outside. There you go. Get out the you know, game. Yeah, no esports. Go yes. get go strap on a pair of skates and exactly. get out Exactly. Get up and get active. Miss Marilyn Young, thank you so much for your you're time welcome. today. Thank, thank you for you. everything, once again, that you're doing in the community. Thank you so uh, much. I appreciate you being here on Buffalo What's Next with us. Yay, Buffalo What's Next. <laughs> I'm Lorenzo Rodriguez, and this has been Buffalo What's Next. On WBFO and WBFO HD1 Buffalo, WOLN Olean, and WUBJ Jamestown, your NPR station.